Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger. And today we are on episode 40 with my fabulous co-host. Hey, guys. This is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. And so we are going to be talking about three different topics today. Um, So a little hodgepodge. First, I'd like to recap the weekend. I was in South Carolina, Charleston at Junior USA's with Coach Karina for um, her fitness uh, very first national show. And so I wanted to share with the listeners a little bit about the fitness division um, and some of the things that we learned while we were there. Um, Because quite frankly, I've never... I've never been um, to a national competition. I've seen the pros, and um, I know what they do. Um, and so, uh, first of all, I'll kind of give you a rundown of how national shows for fitness are different. Um, this one, in particular, there were three height classes, A, B, and C, and then the overall winner wins the pro card. So, um, there there were two in A, two in B, and then there was one in C. And so it ended up that the C class winner won her pro card. But um, what I learned was that junior nationals in Chicago, which is in four weeks, um, has more opportunities for pro card. So um, South Carolina oh. is actually the smallest. Well, actually, it starts with the Arnold. So the Arnold has the least likely chance of winning a pro card as far as odds go. Um mm-hmm. And then this would be, like, the the one that's only open to U.S. citizens. So it's, you know, a little more opportunity. It's not quite as big as the Arnold was as far as number of competitors. But if you um, look at Junior USA's um, versus Junior Nationals, Junior Nationals has three height classes, but the winner of each class actually wins a pro card. So there's actually three oh. pro cards awarded. And then... You have even better odds at NPC Universe um, because first and second gets their pro card. However, I do believe that that one only has two height classes. So, again, still there are four people that are awarded their pro card there, but um, I think it's only A and B. Um, That is really interesting that each show is like a little bit different on how they award their pro cards. Yeah, and it's strange because it progressively <laughs> has more opportunities as the year goes on. So yeah, um, but yeah, um, you know, some of the mandatories. If you don't know what the fitness category entails, in the past it's been, um, you know, a figure basically posing in a figure suit and heels as the physique part of it, and then you would have the routine that would kind of, once the physiques were judged, then like the finals, only the people that moved on would do their, their routine. Now, um, this year and last year, it's only the routine that they're getting judged on. Mm. They are not getting judged on their physique. Um, so Is I, that for – oh, um, I just had a quick question. Yeah. Is, so the routines, is that for just like the regional shows and the national shows? So as of 2018 – the routines at regional shows and national shows were just the routine was the only criteria, okay. which means that you have to get splits two ways. You have to have high kicks in your routine. You have to have a push-up combination. Um, so usually like a one-arm push-up or some variation of that. Um, and you're basically judged on 
your strength, your stamina, um, and you know level of difficulty. You have to do a uh-huh. hold, so either a straddle ho- hold. Um, there's different variations of holds as well, but those are the mandatory things that are a part of it. Uh, but wow. then you realize when you go there, it's like so much more. It's um, you have to have a theme. You have to have like the right music. You have to have it choreographed. Um, you have to be explosive. Incorporate dance, gymnastics, um, handstands, um, handstand walking, things like that. Um, planches. Really, so it's really like a hard whole stuff. performance. Yeah, yeah, and it has to be so fast and such high energy. So yeah, it was really interesting experience, and um, Karina just did awesome. Um, she really rocked it. I mean, she had never competed against anyone because both of the shows that she competed in, she was the only. Um, fitness competitor at a regional level which hopefully this sport is not dying because it's such a cool it's such a cool part of the sport that it's I hope so it doesn't. neat to watch yeah, yeah I love it yeah and so um, Whitney Jones actually is going to be doing an interview next week so look for that episode to come out um, sometime next week but um, she has you know won the Olympia um, she has I mean, she's probably one of the best in the world, um, most people would agree, um, as far as fitness competitors go. But um, we're going to we're gonna talk with her a little bit, so um, we'll probably put on our story um, later today on Instagram, so at Prep Life Podcast. If you want to, you know, include some questions that you may have for Whitney Jones, um, it'd be appreciated because we want to know what our listeners want to hear, um, yeah. and so... I mean, she, like I said, she's the best in the world, so it'd be cool to hear her insights. But just to give you a little clue on how it's, this is this is the only part of the sport that um, doesn't make the most sense to me because usually how you win your pro card at, you know, the national level, at the amateur level, usually um, translates into how you're going to perform as a pro. Um, and, I mean, I guess I, I could kind of take that back because for you, like, you went from a 10 second routine to a minute and a half in bikini from an amateur <laughs> yeah. to a pro, but, um, you know, it levels up b- because you actually have to be judged on your physique at the pro yeah. level. So a third of the criteria is actually, you know, what your physique looks like. Um, so which is fitness. totally out of the realm of getting your pro card as an amateur. So, Oh, so as a fitness a pro, you get, charged or you get um judged on your physique as well yeah so it's like a third so it's not just the routine scoring. yeah yeah so gotcha. that's where it's a little yeah I mean you want to be able to so those of you that are considering if you have like a gymnastics cheer or dance background and you know you're you really have an interest in this my advice to you is to train like a figure competitor in the gym um and with your nutrition because that is how you're going to be judged as a pro you're going to have to be in a figure suit you're going to have to do a lat spread you're going to have to know the quarter turns and you're going to have to be judged on a physique that looks like the martini glass in figure and so with that being said I actually think this is a great segue into the new category that has been added yeah Um, yeah absolutely yeah so I wanted to talk a little bit about the wellness division um that's going to be added here in 2020 uh, in the NPC. And um, what are your thoughts? Let's start 
with just kind of like what you've heard and um, what you you kind of know about that that wellness division. Sure. Yeah. So I've been getting like some of that news here and there. A lot of it's popping up on social media. Um, and my first impression when I looked at because I know that they utilize the wellness division overseas a lot um, in their shows. When I first looked at those physiques, um, my immediate thought was like this is going to be a hugely popular category. Um, I just feel like a lot of women, like more and more women are building a lot of muscle and are getting comfortable with having like a a muscular physique and being like a little bit bigger. um, And a lot of women like carry a lot of muscle in their legs. And so looking at the wellness um, division, the, the girls are, they it's like almost between like bikini and figure is how it's described. So you are getting the like wide martini glass for the top half of your physique, but the legs are almost like a little bit thicker. You're getting more quad than you're getting from like a bikini um, physique in the lower half, but very like pronounced glute and hamstring. Um, It just is like, it's, I mean, it's a very appealing look, and I think that a lot of people will gravitate towards it. Um, and, like, the posing that I noticed was, like, a, a cross between, like, a fig. Well, actually, it's probably more of a figure where, like, in the back they have to move their hair and do, like, a lat spread. Um, like, you're all over muscle symmetry is getting judged in that way. So I think that it's going to be popular. I think it's going to be a really good addition, um, especially for some girls that, carry a lot of muscle tissue and like they don't necessarily fit in the the figure or they have trouble getting like um, lean enough legs in the bikini category. So I'm actually like really interested to see how it's going to take off in the, the MPC starting next year. Yeah. Um, I know you've seen it live. Well, I, I mean, they had a wellness division in the, um, like South America, um, Brazil, Arnold, and the suits look like a bikini. And then um, mm. they actually don't do a lat spread. They actually just, they do move their hair, but they do like a back pose that's more of a, um, what I would say, an NAMBF pose. Oh. Um, now, I don't know if the NPC, what they're going to adopt um, as their rules for this. Um, I just know that Tyler Mannion, the newly um, – appointed vice president uh the grandson of jim mannion he has seen it as a judge in brazil and um in europe and he was um very interested in adding it and so it's going to be added but there's just if you watch the press release um there's just not a lot of information both sandy and tyler kind of passed the microphone so did jim mannion um because I don't think they have a clearly defined idea of what it's going to be. So we can't really say, okay. like, it's going to look like this. Um, th- we can just kind of judge by what it looks like for the pros that are pros right now in the wellness. Um, and mm. so the best way I can describe their back pose is like an NAMBF. They have one hand on their hip, one arm out to the side, and they do move their hair. But um, – they don't exactly quarter turn like figure competitors and then they don't exactly hit like a front stance like a bikini competitor. Um, they kind of like have their hands on their both their hips. Um, 
and oh, that's I, right. Yeah. I mean, I saw some feathered quads. Um, but again, I don't know if it's going to be the same. Um, it just, it sounds like it'd be something for an individual that, um, that can't get quite as lean. Um, but then they don't have quite the, the ability to bring down their legs for, to kind of match the bikini look. So in my opinion, it's kind of like the, they have the top half like figure where it's like martini glass, but then, um, typically like figure competitors, they just have those swooped out quads and then, you know, a much smaller backside. Um, so like the stem of that martini glass, whereas, these ladies yeah. definitely have like the butt of bikini and the hamstrings, but then yeah. they also from the front have the quads. Like in some of the pros that I saw, they had you know the feathering in their quad, hmm. um, almost like a like a male bodybuilder. So I don't know, I don't know where we're gonna go with that direction. Like as far as like the United States, they yeah. haven't released the rules yet. So I'm not really, you know, I don't want to <laughs> say anything and like people stick me to it um because we really don't know at this point but just by judging by like what we've seen um in other countries where it's been established but it's pretty it's pretty groundbreaking um to add an entire new category so we're gonna have an entire category of at the ifbb level so technically you could do it (laughs) because (laughs) once you get your pro card you can actually compete as a pro in anything so you could actually compete as a fitness competitor a woman's physique um a figure competitor or a wellness competitor i'll Um, do fitness (laughs) (laughs) so you could go to the olympia for wellness no um but yeah just throwing that out there um so it'll be interesting for next year you know how that all works because people in the beginning of the year are going to have to get qualified for nationals for that to be able to go to nationals, I would assume. Oh, that's true. I don't know yeah. how they're going to do all this. So I'm curious as I a promoter, like... like how this will impact the shows yeah. too. So, um, so yeah, we'll see. Um, I'll find out, be able to tell you for sure in December after the NPC Indiana meeting, but. Yeah. I feel like you're right. And like the looks that I've seen is that they have like symmetry of like the top and bottom matching like bikini do. Um, mm-hmm. versus like a figure look, but it's just like more muscle mass, um, but not as like shredded as like like a physique type of situation. It's definitely like its own entity. It's like a blend yeah. of a couple different things. It really is. Yeah, it's very hybrid. So I think what we're going to do is post, um, I have a comparison shot of a, obviously Angelica, um, Miss Bikini Olympia, I have like oh, a yeah. comparison of her front stance and her back stance compared to um, a pro in the wellness division in another country. And then I also have Miss um, Bikini figure, um, like a side-by-side. So we can definitely post that on Instagram. You can take a look. But again, you never know. We might go like a completely dif- different direction here True. because no- nothing has been really said about this. Um, yeah. We have not had very clear like instructions so everyone's um, speculating (laughs) yes exactly so um on the topic of martini glasses and hourglasses um we wanted to share a little bit today with you about how to get the itty bitty waste committee um status oh yeah that is pretty much required in bikini so i want to first describe what the 
pros that have been measured in their waist, their hips, and their shoulders, kind of what the gold standard is in differentials. So if your waist has a 12-inch difference from what your hips are measuring at, that's that's like pro status. Um, 12 inches is the magic number there. Um, if you have a shoulder circumference of like 12 to 14 different in your waist, then again, that's like kind of how we look to see, you know, if you have the dimensions of mm-hmm. most pros on a pro stage. So um, getting the waist small is very key. I mean, obviously growing your glutes, growing your shoulders so that you look more like an hourglass, it's only going to give that illusion of the waist looking smaller. However, if you can get the waist small, very small, then you're going to you're gonna look more full if you're one of those people yeah. like myself where I have a really hard time growing my shoulders and um, getting like the muscle development. So um, I just wanted to share, and I'm going to give the disclaimer right now, like waist shapers and waist trainers, you know, there's positive and negatives on many different things that you know, you can do as a competitor. Um, it's a pretty extreme sport. So, um, you know, take this information for what you will. And, um, I'm not like giving a recommendation saying like, go out there and like wear a shaper or whatever, but I'm just letting you know, like from my perspective on how it's helped me. Um, so in college I was primarily like a pinch runner essentially. Um, And so I would do sprints, um, and I was just basically, like, put in the game, like, in the beginning of my softball career to just, like, sprint and steal a base. Um, And then later on, you know, I I played outfield. um, But amongst this whole training system of, like, constantly sprinting, constantly rotating my trunk um, when I'm hitting, when I'm throwing, Mm -hmm. I built up my obliques so much that, um, I mean, I looked, my original feedback when, you know, I was first, I mean, if you look at a picture of me, I look kind of like a brick, um, because <laughs> my, my obliques are strong, I have very strong abs, um, I have a six-pack b- that was visible, but I look literally like a rectangle, and I had about, like, a 29-inch waist, um, I've gotten my waist down to 19 inches, no joke. Um, and most of it is just from atrophying the muscle um, through wearing a shaper. But also, every time I were to pick up a weight, I would have a leather weight belt on um, so that um, obviously your spine needs to be supported. Um, mm-hmm. And so those muscles will activate and engage your um, internal obliques, your external obliques, your rectus abdominis, your transverse abdominis. Um, lower upper abs is basically what those are and then like your waistline muscles and they expand and they get trained every time even if you're working upper body you're working lower body you're holding a weight they're going to expand so I utilize that leather belt so those muscles aren't contracting as much they're still contracting but they're staying in that small space so Mm -hmm. that's that's how I was able to I mean I just keep moving down the notch like I literally was at the top notch and went all the way down to the bottom by the end of it because um, that consistency of just 
really, I mean, there were probably four years during my bikini career that um, I kind of just had to cool my abs down and um, yeah, I just didn't even train abs at all because they'll get worked. Um, I mean, this is just from coming from my personal experience. So um, do you have anything to share on um, your personal experience with shapers or leather weight belts and utilizing those for um, yeah. making the waist tiny? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's like um, just like another type of uh, tool that you can utilize like after, you know, like I, I have seen people that like are not really focusing on the way that they're training their waist or dieting and they just think that wearing the waist shaper is going to make everything like tight and small and obviously like competitors kind of look at it a little bit differently but um I do find that it supports my um, back and my spine a little bit better since I have um like the integrity of my spine is not fantastic based off of um like just my bone structure so I do feel like that it helps support me in a lot of my lifts and I feel a little bit more comfortable um like I still avoid like certain exercises that I feel like will trigger my back but I also feel like the way that you train your waist is something that was really different. Um, like, I mean, like exercises that you do in the gym when I started with Amy, um, because I was always doing like all these like crazy ab circuits and um, really just focusing on the exercises that are going to build your abdominals, but not um, build your, the width of your waist out. Like, um, a lot of oblique work does, uh, really helped like shape my body differently as well too. I see a lot of girls like bending at the waist and doing like side oblique work or doing like Russian twists. And, um, like there's nothing wrong with that, but if you're looking to like really make those inches count in the sport, like Amy was mentioning earlier, like how you train your waist in the gym really does make a difference and wearing your weight, whether you're doing upper body or lower body, I think, um, really impacts those measurements as well too. So yeah, it's just like another tool. Um, I wouldn't do anything like crazy or extreme. Like sometimes people like to sleep in them and I would be like terrified to sleep in a weight strainer, but um, yeah, the measurements are like so crazy that you're able to like get that data. Well, I just, so you brought up a couple of things that just really, I, I feel like we need to just dive a little bit further into. So I've had a lot of questions or people like telling me that they sit down for their job a lot. So they're like, okay, well, I can't get the six to eight hours um, that I really need to get in order to make an impact on the size of my waist with my shaper. So I'll just wear it at night. And I would not recommend that. Um, first of all, yeah. you could, when you're sleeping, you don't have control of like what position you get put in and I would be really nervous that something would get pinched or um, when you're sleeping, besides, I think it would disrupt your sleep. And we all know Agreed. how important sleep is to recovery and things of that nature. And so you definitely bring the best point up is that diet is king when it comes to any of this. And staying on point with your macros is like the number one thing that you can do to make your waist yeah. small. Um, I also feel like you know, no foods are good or bad, but, um, some are more nutritious and more nutrient dense with antioxidants, fiber and micronutrients. Um, and so I think that if you avoid certain foods, um, that have like inflammatory 
um, principles, I think that it can really help make your waist a lot smaller. Um, I know just like some sweeteners and um, like pops and things like that can really disrupt the gut imbalance and that can really, um, you know, make a difference in how tight your waistline is. But um, but yeah, I, it's so weird because I, um, when, since I've been wearing my waist trainer, um, not only do I feel like it's really like, it helps me sit up tall and like focus on my posture, uh, because you don't want to be like slouched down. Otherwise it kind of like pinches you, but, um, it's so weird. I used to w- measure at five, seven and every year I've grown like a quarter inch. So I'm all the way up to five, seven and three quarters right now. And I can only attribute it to that because I know that like with age, you basically shrink. Um, and I just, You're feel just like getting younger. <laughs> well, I just, <laughs> I think it's like my spine gets stretched out in the space between my, that's purely anecdotal, but, um, (laughs) I, I mean, I don't know what other way to describe why I would have gotten taller because I know I'm definitely have been, you're still growing. (laughs) So, um, I don't know. I don't know. There might be something to that, but, um, as far as the shaper goes, um, definitely take it off. If ab training is in your program, take it off during that. Um, and, take off your leather belt as well. But like I said, um, for a while there, I had to just stop training them to just like bring them down a little bit because it just creates like a thickness. Um, and usually if you just get rid of the body fat, like they're going to be sitting there. Um, eventually (laughs) you're going to see them, but if you need to tone them up and you need to build them a little bit to get some shape, they are like a muscle where it's just, you know, um, they're actually a muscle that is, a 50 50 split between type one and type two fibers. So there's certain movements that you can do like six to 12 reps. And then there's, um, you know, certain movements that you can do like 25 to 50 reps and you're going to get like an even split as far as training the type one versus type two muscle fibers. Um, and then like you had mentioned, you want to make sure that everything's bending forward at the waist. So like if it's a leg lift or like a knee tuck, or a f- upwards like crunch, those are all fine because they're working within that plane that they're not crossing, um, you know, the waistline or the midline of your body. So you don't want to do like a bicycle where you're twisting, mm-hmm. like you said, the um, wood choppers. Those are terrible. I mean, as far as like if you want an hourglass shape because they're just going to build up the obliques. And um, just another thing to mention is just you had talked about the leather weight belt, how you like, how it supports your back. Um, I feel like, um, with, if you look at people that do Olympic style lifting and you look at females physiques, um, you kind of see that trend of like the brick. Um, Mm -hmm. and those lifts are so multi-jointed that you really have to have like strong stabilizing muscles in your spine. Um, so it makes sense. Like your waist is going to look a lot thicker because you're supporting that Olympic style lift. So yeah, just something to, th- to think about. Um, do you have anything to add on that with waist? I totally agree that training for bodybuilding versus training for performance or like, it's just like whatever your goal is, your training style should be totally different. Like that's one thing that I had to learn. Like I came out, came into this as like a personal trainer and like training for aesthetics versus like 
power movements. Like it's all different. So Glamour yeah, muscles. really have like, a... <laughs> yeah, Glamour yeah muscles like are different. <laughs> <laughs> Hypertrophy but, and they're all strength. challenging differently. Yeah. yeah but yeah. it's like, yeah, it's so interesting. So definitely like have a strategy, have a smart strategy, smarter, not harder necessarily. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think that covers it. Did anything that was a good hodgepodge yeah it was definitely this has definitely been a hodgepodge episode I can't believe we're on episode 40 but um please be sure to subscribe to our podcast we are unfunded but that will help um other people find us that may have this similar interest of the prep life and um this crazy sport of bodybuilding but so much fun um it's brought so much joy to both of our lives and so we definitely that's the mission behind this podcast is to pay it forward. So please, um, if you liked the episode or if you like the podcast, please leave us a review or a rating on iTunes. It would be so appreciated. Um, and we will be looking for your questions for Whitney Jones. Um, super excited about that interview. I think it's going to be really insightful. And, um, she, she's not only a, um, obviously a fitness pro but she also coaches many different pretty much every division in bodybuilding so um, for example this weekend she was coaching like men's physique people um, bikini competitors and so her company you know um, coaches like figure athletes things of that nature so if you have questions it doesn't have to be specifically to fitness but anything that you want to know from Whitney she is super knowledgeable so let's pick her brain and um, get some good tips and tricks hopefully you learned something today um this is amy anger with glam girl bikini signing off with my fabulous co-host and this is chris nicole glam girl bikini coach and ifbb bikini pro and i just wanted to add one more thing i know that we were like signing off there but if you are interested in competing and you're thinking about it we do have a couple open slots um, on the glam girl team. So just make sure to reach out, uh, to get more information and we would be happy to hear from you. Yeah. And the link to the application to apply for the team is, um, it is on our Instagram page. It's the link there on the website, or you can visit www.glamgirlbikini.com and click the apply button. Uh, I know that Chris Nicole has a couple of spots open, so we are I'm looking now for some serious girls. Yeah, <laughs> she had she was closed for a while there because you know us. We like to keep our numbers small and intimate yeah. so that we can give um, our full attention um, that everybody yeah. deserves um, in their contest prep. So, um, yes, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. All right, <laughs> have a fabulous day, Fit Fam. We love you. Bye, guys. Bye.